Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. You're currently listening to the free version of Let Me Talk. If you want longer, ad-free episodes, even earlier, head to lmtpod.com to find out how you subscribe. Let me talk! Hello and welcome to Let Me Talk Details. This is a respite from the weekly whirlwind of top flight football. It's a space to break down the big picture topics and get into the details away from the game-by-game analysis. I'm David Mooney. As ever, the Athletic City correspondent Sam Lee is alongside me. Hello. And former City defender Nader Manua. Hey. Sam, what are we talking about today? We talk about the FA Cup, with it being the fourth round this weekend, and the yearly arguments of whether FA Cup replays should even be a thing. Plus, Nader brings a question to the table regarding punditry, the media, and how points of view are put forward on the TV and radio. Let Me Talk Details is a platform for you to get involved as well. We'd love to hear from you, so email hello at lmtpod.com if you've got any questions, thoughts or ponderings about City or football in general. It's FA Cup weekend this weekend, Nadem. As players, how much did you kind of watch the draw, gather around the draw, all that sort of stuff? And did you care, kind of home away, anything like that, big team? What did you What did you want when you were at City? Different perspectives, really. Uh, my first season, we were basically like a top eight, top ten side. So maybe there's a curiosity about the draw itself, but not necessarily to sit around because I feel like most of the clips you see of people it's sit not like you made Sun United. You yeah, see that, that French team the other week when they got drawn against PSG and they yeah. all went like yeah, mad. It's just I personally, and maybe this is just me. I was never rooting to be playing against a good Premier League side. Be the exact opposite, <laughs> yeah, to be yeah. honest with you. So, yeah, you, you find out about who you've drawn, all the like club delegates who'd be around to be able to discuss it and so on. But as a player now, you just find out when it, who you're playing against, find out whether it's home or away, find out when the game's going to be played. And then, you know, depending on whether it's third round, fourth round, if you're not playing, hope to be playing. If you are playing, you know, like, will you, be, will you stay in the side and figure out what, what position the team's in and so on? There's not that much entertainment around the draw itself. And then when it comes, like, how many teams realistically at the start of the season not only marry their belief that they can do well in it, but they also have the talent to know that they should be doing well in it. Mm-hmm. The numbers get smaller and smaller because then it's like draw-based, isn't it? And you say, oh, you know, we've got this team in League 1 to start, maybe this team in League 2. The next thing you're like, away at Anfield. Okay, well... Well, that's a, that's a tough isn't it? Yeah, but some teams, you know, they do win some good games on the way. When you're in those late stages where you get to a quarter, because I think that's the best I got to with City in my career is the quarterfinals. And I think we lost at home to West Ham. Mm. And that was, That's annoying. Still, yeah. But I'm still annoyed. Talking about refereeing Ref. decisions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was... Um, Sanji like, High sent off when it wasn't... It was de- It was not a red card. Well, it should have had VAR. Yeah. <laughs> yes, potentially exciting. They wouldn't have overturned it though, would they? It's potentially <laughs> don't, exciting. Don't want to re-referee the game. Someone cut his mic, please. So it's potentially <laughs> like exciting at the quarters round because then, you know, it's the last eight. Anything could happen. But around those times, I think we were still playing semis at the two locations. I don't think it was Wembley. I think I think that year 
was the Millennium Stadium still as the final. So I think the semi-finals will have been Villa Park and Old Trafford, Old Trafford maybe. Well, it was James always Villa. Maybe, I don't, I don't yeah. know. I don't know what year they changed it, but it was always Villa Park and Old Trafford. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it can be it can be exciting, but obviously it gets more exciting towards the end. At the start, you might see one or two changes, but it's because like to reference a point someone was making in the build up to the last round of FA Cup fixtures. Someone was saying, oh, the FA Cup's not very good anymore because people don't want replays and like they'll rest their players and they'll do this and they'll do that. If you have a squad of players and you're playing against a side that's outside of the division, why would you not use your squad? Because if you would not use your squad then, you're basically saying they're not good enough to mm. be able to play against this, this group of players. And it's not a disrespect to the other side. Well, then it comes back to like just briefly, you know, the Cole Palmer thing, oh, we didn't get chances at City or whatever. It's like, well, if, it, you, if you're going to be in that situation, you need to use a player like Cole Palmer. Then you, you need to use an Oscar Bob or like mm. Calvin Phillips. He was obviously ill for the Huddersfield game. Yeah. You need to use players then, because otherwise, yeah, like you say, like, what's the point? What's the point? Why, why have a squad? Because and then you... they're even more pissed off. Talking about involving everyone and keeping things fun, like it has to be that. Exactly, and obviously that's dependent on the draw itself. Mm. But also in regards to the FA Cup, um, this whole sort of like disappointment with replays. I think in this cycle, what's different is. It would affect people's uh, the winter break. The winter break. Yeah, that's stupid, isn't it? Speaking with uh, some players at Burnley, it was like if they drew, they only had four days. If they won, they had seven days off. Mm. But then try and make this argument to the people in the football league who are looking to try and make money from going and playing against the big side. It's like ridiculous. Why do you not want to replay? Replays are the sort of fabric but the, of. But, 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 the, oh, but this is. But, you, you did well. There was an interview with the Bolton. Yeah, yeah, chairman yeah. on yeah. Sunday, wasn't he's it? getting angry about it, yeah. But, and then he was also like, we played 60 games last year, which is the same as like which the is big teams play. And you're like, point. yeah, very good point. <laughs> yeah, it's a valid point. But yeah, so with the replays and so on, it's funny because I get the perspective about how you play 60 games in the other leagues and so on, potentially. And the clamour for replays. But is the clamour for replays the same when two League One sides play each other in the fourth round? Or are they thinking this is an yeah, inconvenient yeah, yeah. game? You yeah. know? But it, you have you have that situation of because um, I'm genuinely really torn on replays because like you say that for some of the smaller clubs if you get if you are I don't know a League Two side drawn up against City and for whatever reason you draw that first game and you get to go to the Etihad or the other way around you get to bring City back to your place you get a, a second wave of a massive game massive influx of money for the club mm. but your chances of winning. Are really really slim, which shows that the winning isn't the it's point. It's more about the finances, isn't it? Yeah. But if you if you if you go straight to penalties at the end of that first draw and you knock City out, you get the chance of another draw. Mm. Mm. So you get a second game regardless. So you get a second yeah. game regardless. I would say it doesn't, it doesn't matter. But, but, like, but, but Maidstone Maid Maid were hoping for a big upset, weren't they? Who was sorry? Maidstone because they got through, yeah. they, were, they were hoping for a big draw, weren't they? And who yeah. they get? They just got like somebody in like the championship and it's yeah, like that's yeah. not big enough for you which is which is strange because even like i was on another show and rex and fans were on and they were saying how they've they're sort of like taking the role of how some people like them some people hate them and they're saying for the cup draw you know we, we were unlucky last year we didn't get someone big they were saying but it wasn't about like winning the fa cup mm -hmm. we didn't get someone big this year we want someone big we mm -hmm. want liverpool we want this we want that i was like that's um that's a perspective that's not shared by people at the top you know they just want to have that engagement but like i said the clamour of, and the third round and the fourth round, in my opinion, people overall will take more interest in it for the threat of a giant killing. Yeah, mm. yeah. But when it's two minnows playing against each other, is there real interest? Like, I think Maidstone were unhappy that the BBC, ITV, whoever, didn't have them as the main game. But then they can look at it from a TV perspective and say, what's the audience for Maidstone versus Stevenage? 
Mm. I don't know. It's like I, a theory. Like a there's a there's another aspect to this as well. Is that um, I, it feels like Liverpool versus Arsenal as a or Arsenal versus Liverpool as an FA Cup tie to put on TV is a is a game that. It, like it, it's uninspiring because it happens every season, but at the same time, it's terrestrial that television. Look, how exactly. how often the the, time, does, yeah. does terrestrial television like, get the chance to mm. put that game on live? It's not when I was watching the draw. Obviously, you're just thinking like when Ipswich come out, you think not not City, and then it's, <laughs> and then they get Bournemouth. It's like yes, two horrible away games out of the way. Like I didn't want to do either of them, but you think what's a good what's a good draw to watch? And I've spent I've spent the last few seasons praying for Stockport. Yeah, yeah. I I live a stone's throw from the ground. I've been praying for Stockport. Yeah, just just play for a home draw, which is what I do. But like, I can walk to it. I can't walk to the Etihad. So with this one, it's like Chelsea Villa is a good draw because like Villa could win that. Two Premier, it's two good Premier League teams. If that was a Premier League game, I'd watch it. It's like in the last round, Arsenal Liverpool. I know it happens all the time, but you watch a good draw. But then, other than that, the the next end of the spectrum is when it was. Newport or Eastley against United, and you just think that's good. Like that—that's a proper FA Cup draw. Because then it, there is like, well, for example, like it, it's Ipswich against Maidstone. So there we go. That's what I mean. So you get that, and you think yeah, that's that's not what people were hoping for. And then it's—I think as well it depends who, like, what's the audience? What do they want? Yeah, but that's the thing. It's like, do you want do you want the giant killing, or do you want? I'm thinking as a neutral audience, do you want like, the potential for a giant killing, or just like? You just want to go and see United go to Eastleigh. Do you know what I mean? Like that's what I think that's Chel- what you want. When, when City went to Cheltenham, yeah, a good game of football. Yeah. When City went to Cheltenham a few years ago, it was a tough game. I remember they they brought the, they they brought the cavalry on from the bench. They went one 0 down. They brought the cavalry on and won three one. I don't even remember this game mm. because I didn't go. What might have what been, season was this? Um, it's a great question. It might have been twenty twenty one. Might have been behind closed doors season. Hmm. I mean, City have City have had some quite good. I mean, for all the narrative around City's easy draws, they have had some quite good, like low league away that, games. That easy draws thing's hilarious, yeah, isn't it? You know what I mean? Like it's as is the case with a lot of football opinion. You just say it, and then just say yeah. it to someone else that will agree with it, and then you just move on, and then there's nothing to be said. There's no discussion about starting with like Chelsea in round three last year, and then Arsenal in round four. Nothing to be said about that because we just want to discuss Sheffield United in the semi-finals. But you know, I, the the would, worst the worst thing about that was when City got drawn against Copenhagen in the Champions League, and then there were United fans going, "Oh, you always get the easy draws." Like, they beat you <laughs> at home. Like you just need to sit this one out. But as simple as that. Yeah, quick fact check. They didn't beat them at home, but I understand what you're saying. They should have done. I think they wasn't it four three. No, that was the away. Oh, you're talking about in Copenhagen. Sorry, because yeah. you said at home. Sorry, my oh bad. yeah, yeah, sorry, my bad. Thinking, sorry. yeah. Yeah, yeah. They should have won uh, Old Trafford. Yeah. Well, no, they they missed they lost, but they missed a penalty, penalty in the last, in last, last second. Last second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, United could have finished even worse off if they'd conceded. Would you consider seeding teams for the FA Cup draw to keep to to or almost offer lower league sides the uh, a more guarantee of a bigger draw? See, that's a double edged sword, isn't it? Because like because then talking about a good draw, it's like. It's like, I don't want to say middle. I don't know why I've got Middlesbrough in my head. But let's just say Maidstone again. Maidstone get to go to Chelsea. Great for them. But like, who's watching that? I think keep all the Premier League dip- teams apart. Well, I know, but, like, but like you know, for me, a good draw as well as you know, like Newport or Eastley against United is two good Premier League teams playing each other. Yeah, I think it depends who you're trying to appease. To be honest, yeah, because that 
also very much helps the Premier League teams to give them a chance of going out of going to, the, to, to, the yeah. late, to the later stages. But is the FA Cup designed to give the Premier League a better chance? Premier League teams a better chance of doing this it. This is why Robbie Savage got told to piss off, wasn't it? Well, one of many reasons. Why he got told to piss off on Five Live, didn't he? On Six Hundred Six. So I think he was saying get rid of replays, and like a lower league fan called in, and he was like, "Yeah, what you'd like could just you know from that completely like different it's, perspective." It's, it's two worlds literally colliding in this. FA Cup and no one being able to agree with each yeah, other because, that, because what, what, what you ha- all I'm thinking is what you have is if you if you ensure that the Premier League teams are kept apart in the third round then for the benefit of for the, football fo- the Football League will draw like they will all draw a Premier League mm. side well, well but, at, go on. but in, at the same time you could end up with 20 championship sides drawing a Premier League side yeah. and all of the teams that have qualified through rounds 1-2 Le- Leicester's parachute payments maybe. yeah Playing Arsenal at home or something, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean that that kind of makes sense, but then again, it's just like from an audience point of view, just the league up. It's just I, the league up, basically. When I, I the prefer the league come, up, by the way. Yeah, where the bigger teams come in, or later the, on, yeah, later on or whatever. Um, I'm not 100 percent sold on that, and again, I don't think some teams lower down would be that sold on that because, say, some teams actually would like the idea, as was the case, say. Sheffield United making it to the semi-final last year from the championship. Like the run to get to that semi-final is probably, it wasn't easy, but I'm sure it was easier if we look back than say the potential. Well, they had to Wrexham, didn't they? That, that went to a replay. That yeah, was quite close. Yeah, but that's how they get into those later stages. I think it, if you end up having to go through a gauntlet to guarantee you get to the later round, then the competition might all of a sudden just not really be prioritised by some. Yeah. The draw itself will define, you know, you sort of feeling about it. Like, some teams want to make money. Some teams want to go as far as they can. Yeah. You know, and the two things don't necessarily always marry up, do they? I don't think the two things can marry up, can they? And then you've got the audience point of view of like, who's, who is going to switch on for a Premier League team against a League One team if it's like a Premier League team at home. Like, if it is, uh, okay, yeah. Because you know, it's normal. So Wigan against United, that, is, that was a good tie on paper because you think they might lose that, you know, in front of the cameras late game or whatever. United have been struggling. But the majority of, and even, you know, like, West Ham against Bristol City or whatever it's like. Yeah. Cause Who's the, watching that? There's some teams in the Championship who you'd be complaining about if they were in the Premier League. You know, so to then watch them play against the Premier League mm-hmm. team, it's a game that you wouldn't be interested and in. Again, Bolton-Luton. That's the game which I was going to mention, actually. And the funny thing about that was the Bolton chairman was on and it felt weird because Bolton have a bigger stadium. Bolton mm-hmm. have a bigger yeah. fan base. Bolton have a greater <laughs> recent history. But it's like, well, we're talking to the Bolton chairman like you guys are on the road looking to get a big cup upset against Luton and I was like wow the world has changed and he, men- and he mentioned as well didn't he because obviously you get like more away fans or whatever but he was like well the allocation's still fairly small they've got that bit at Luton mm. so they've got the most of the away fans are behind the goal and then the stand adjacent to that the one where the managers stand which is like it goes it literally goes back about 10 rows and you've got a block of about 50 to 100 I'm not even sure it would be 100 away fans as well and it's like well, what are they supposed to do but also it looks like Oh, I might have said this after the Luton game, but you know when they filmed like Ted Lasso or something and you can tell they filmed like yeah, 20 yeah. fans in a certain <laughs> way to make it look like it's everyone. It just looks like that at Luton. Mm. I don't know if you can see it properly on the TV, but when you're in the stadium, you just go and see like 50 blokes surrounded by stewards and you think, that is the maddest looking thing <laughs> I've ever seen in a football one, stadium. One-to-one stewarding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll be back in a few minutes after an ad break. Speak to you shortly. Let Me Talk is sponsored by you, the listeners. The best way to support the podcast is by subscribing via Memberful. You can pay as little as £2 per month, which gives you early access to all our podcasts ad-free, and they're packed with even more content. 
That gives you even more minutes of us to fill up your week. Subscribing is really easy and the longer episodes will integrate seamlessly with your podcast app of choice, be it Spotify or Apple. Head over to lmtpod.com for more information on signing up and links to all of our socials. Now, Sam, we punt for questions for this. It's not very often. Sometimes we have things where me and you have had an idea and we want to chat to Nadem about it. Occasionally, though, Nadem comes to the wicket with a, with a topic. Um, so we're going to open the floodgates now. Do you um, just say just, just like open the floor or whatever? It's not necessarily floodgates. What are you, no, what are you expecting? It could be floodgates. It could be the floodgates. This. Could be. You trying to poke me or what? What's the deal? Well, yeah, I mean that's that's my job. You don't need poking. Okay. Need oh, in fact, well, if you need poking, let's just get some TikTok clips from. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this guy is, is going to be a discussion about punditry, media, and so on. In so I'll say specifically Premier League football because that is a specialist subject. So I'm not sure if I know enough about like football league stuff to really be able to get into it. Yeah. Buckle up, everyone. Yeah, and no, 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 no. Just relax, <laughs> you. It's to get me in trouble before I've even started. But you guys are involved as well. And so I'm very fortunate to work in media, to have had the career that I've had and to be able to talk about football today. Yeah. And as I talk about football today, I say it in a way whereby it encourages you to reference your experiences in the past whilst also talking about today's football, yeah? And the two things are essentially quite separate, yeah? So I retired in 2020, and football's very different even then compared to what it is now. Discussions about team style of play, you know, this is post-pandemic football, like teams being able to spend the money they can spend, like the rise of Brighton, this super part, this team that just feeds, like, the football league, whatever. So upon arriving there, I think I talk openly, fairly, and try and try and figure out what's going on yeah and try and figure out why it's going on and use contacts i have within the game because i'm recently out of it to be able to understand it yeah i always give the benefit of the doubt whenever i can so why is it then that i'm the exception within that industry overall why is it when i'm sitting down the people i'm sitting next to haven't watched the games that, that i've watched they've got stronger opinions and some of these opinions like within football for me I hate the fact that a lot of what people think about football, say audience-wise, come from probably five or six people and it trickles down. And the issue with that is those five or six people, how connected are they they to today's game? And how do you think that they're doing a good enough job to be able to teach an audience what's happening on the field? Because a lot of the time, I think they go off vibes and emotion based on a game which they think is changing for the worst, which they wouldn't have liked to play in because their style of play was different. But still, they have the biggest platforms. So this is effectively people who were involved in football in the 80s being pundits in the 90s, 90s in the noughties, noughties in the 10s. Kind of, because some people were involved in the 80s and 90s, and they have real significant like um, career pedigree in football. But say, this is is the thing for me. So I asked some people recently, like, who... Who are the best pundits for you that you think could be engaged in football today and be able to coach and be able to explain everything that's going on? And they start saying, they say Neville, they say Carragher, they say this, they say that. And I said, oh, go and explain. And I said, yeah, because they do this and they do that. And I said, well, who else can you compare them to? And the answer is no one because they're the only ones that've been able to speak. So they've become the standard. But when you listen to what they're saying, why does it always sound so different compared to when you get a coach on or a player on? because it's two different worlds, two different games. But what they say goes the furthest because if there's a game that's live on TV and you're going to have an audience that's engaged with it, they'll only hear two or three people all the time. And they've now reached a point whereby what they say is gospel. But what they say 
wouldn't ring true if they were working within football. If they were in a training ground and they were trying to coach people the way they talk about football, they wouldn't be in a job. So is is this the difference then between that's the wrong pass or and that's the right pass but executed wrongly? Yeah. So since if when you think about this, this you, you got that out. Say when you think about um how many years people have been complaining about teams playing out from the back, ask yourself this question. Are more teams doing it now or than less? previously? The answer is more. So why are they doing more of it if the person talking to you or through your TV is telling you it's the worst thing that's ever, ever happened? Guardiola was asked about this recently. The question was, do you think more teams are being like more adventurous against you, pressing you, going man to man or whatever than they did previously? He was like, yeah, but that's because that's how the league is. That's because there's more managers doing that at their teams. They're not just doing it because they think that's the best way to play against Man City. They think that's the best way to play. Just as an idea of yeah. the, the, the changing in the league. And in regards to the change in the league, how often will you be told why a team is going to go and press another team? I don't think you are. It doesn't happen, does it? No, it doesn't. How often are you being told why? Say, in the context of a player making a mistake, like, the difference between a goalkeeper making a mistake in terms, so making, like, a bad pass that leads to a goal or a chance, as opposed to somebody higher up the field making a bad pass that stops the goal being scored, is one will be moved on from, the other one will be spoken about till the mm. end of time. The one immediately when you said that, the the pass I immediately thought of. Do you remember the 4-2 Spurs last season? Edison passing to Rodri yeah. in the box. Mm. Yeah. And I think the pass was short or he, he, yeah. he played it too hard. There was something up with the pass anyway. Yeah. He put Rodri under pressure, he lost the ball, Spurs scored 2-0. And the reaction was, why is he making that pass? Yeah. And for me... Yeah. And it's like, well, the pass that... Yeah, yeah pass that he always makes. But specifically, yeah. told, if you like, if you watch it as well, like the amount of times it's like you've got a, you've like if so the Arsenal game last season at home, then you know the you know when Guardiola was celebrating and then De Bruyne's goal, yeah. and then he realised he needed to bollock Edison. It's because Edison went square to Stones in the corner. Stones was then in a difficult position. Stones had to launch it, which wasn't what he was supposed to do. Because if you looked, everything else was to either Gundogan dropping in or Rodri, mm. even with two men on their shoulder, really pressing them. Give it to them because they can deal with it. They'll flick it out to the left back or the left centre back and then they can bring it up that way. That was what they were doing in that game. Mm. So then obviously what you've got is the team is supposed to make that pass because it will attract in players to Rodri exactly. or to Gundogan exactly. or to Bernardo now because it will open up the window elsewhere. And then it's funny actually because I remember that goal, the Arsenal one, has been used as an example of City being more willing to go to direct go long, last season. Yeah. It's like, this, show, this shows why they're so great at winning the treble this year, because they do this. It's like, funnily enough, yeah. they, they really weren't supposed yeah. to do this, but yeah. it turns out they can. Just because they scored doesn't because mean Because Haaland's yeah. there to win the flick-on. But for context again... But again, if you're trying to put across to a TV audience, this is what City are doing now, and this is like, not just this is what they're doing, but they're doing this specifically because of this. Re well, that's not the reason. But they even, didn't play that ball long. Even what you were saying, like... Because Guardiola said, let's relieve pressure. That's what doing that's, in a different way. That's the thing. The long ball is such that, you know, they were prepared to go long, but they were prepared to go long from a position of still being spread because now you're giving teams two different looks. Mm. Like, whether, if you're going to be a team that spreads, that spreads the field and whatever and never has a threat in behind, then you actually become quite predictable. But when you're a team that can do both, which some sides do, then it keeps the opposition guessing because you can never show too much pressure mm. because now if they've got a good front line, then they can have 3v3s or 4v4s in there. Like, and then be on the front foot in terms of attacks. That's why, actually, weirdly, I'd like Edison to take longer goal kicks every now and then. Yeah. Because I, I want to. I, I want the threat of Edison being able to drive it across the the entire team to 
somebody stood on the edge of the box. Do you remember the to be there the Harlan goal against Brighton last yeah. year? Like the Aguero, was, Aguero against yeah. Huddersfield a few years ago, the that's, same sort of thing. Yeah, I think he did one See, that against was Arsenal in the Guardiola League Cup as well. Told them because that was when Wilbeck went down injured. He got caught a bad injury. Guardiola had a team talk, and we asked Bernardo Silva about it afterwards. He said, "Go long." Yeah, and he said Guardiola was all there marking us man to man, so go over the top. Exactly. Of so but that that's because that's what they did do. But it. that's what the space is. But how many people on your TV are going to be saying, "Right, okay, so this long has worked because they have spread the field to where the opposition have now overcommitted in terms of trying to create a press and now have created isolations at the back." But instead, they don't see that. They just talk about like, "Oh, why are you making these short passes? Why are you making these short passes?" That's a, that was a, that's an example of well that. There you go. See, you you do have to go long sometimes. You know, is it like it's kind of just oh, you know, but it you, misses the point. Yeah, you know exactly. what I mean? But yeah, but it's like you go yeah you go long if you explain if you why go, when it's all set out rather than just the def, the goalkeeper takes it upon himself to overrule the manager. Yeah, like and, they're, oh, they're, we're under the cosher. Let's come and kick it long. Pl- You're not supposed to. Mate. And there's there's always room in the game for being able to alleviate pressure by just kicking it long in general. But if you're in control of the possession and you're not like under the cosher, there's like ten seconds left to go in a game. You literally, like, goalie have the ball, people spread wide, this guy goes here, that guy goes there, everyone's in a position. And now this, the field is far, like, do you reckon everyone fully understands the idea of making the field big? Do you reckon everyone gets that? Probably. probably I, I, I think because I, yeah. I think I do, but maybe not. Because, it, like, say... What, if, you mean options if, short? You mean yeah, options if long, if, wide if, on the halfway If the goalie's line. got the ball in the six-yard box and it's one to the left side of the six-yard box and one to the right side of the six-yard box. You've got fullbacks who are now like, say, outside the line of the six-yard box but 10 yards higher. Two midfielders that are like, or maybe one midfielder that's sitting in maybe 10 yards outside the box. Three forwards who are high and wide. Like one, two wide, one, one center, central, two wide. and then two tens. All of a sudden, if any particular moment any player was to get the ball, they'd have more space because everyone else is spread out. So the field is bigger. If we went for the old school thing where it's like goal kicks where everyone come and stand on the halfway line together and play head tennis for the next 10 seconds, all of a sudden you're relying on like chance and chaos to create mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, someone could win a flick on and someone might run through on goal. But no one's in control of the ball at that, that could point. could go against you. And yeah, to, to literally you. anything can happen at that moment. And that's why there's a benefit to setting up to go short but then having the ability to go long. But this is, I mean, I mean, this is ultra geeky now, and I and I do apologise for bringing this up. But it's, it, I, I was speaking to somebody who, who kind of talks tactics quite in depth, and it's the difference between an outfielder taking a goal kick to a goalkeeper, yes, and a goalkeeper taking a goal kick to an outfielder. Yeah. In that, if you give the if if you if you play it short inside the box to the goalkeeper, the goalkeeper can go left, he can go right. You don't know which way to press from. If the keeper passes it to the right side of the box, you can pin the team into that side. Have of the you pitch. ever heard that being discussed on TV? No. Okay, that's. I'm just going to leave that on there for you <laughs> because I bet you've also seen lots of people rolling the ball to the goalkeeper. Mm. You know, and it's the it's a frustration from my part because there's so many other themes that exist within football whereby they have a sort of like older view on things, and it's fine to have the older view. But if you're just hearing somebody be really emotional, like they're getting paid a lot of money to be emotional, and that level of emotion could just be done by a fan of a football club, because if you're not going to provide insight for me then realistically, what benefit are you to this overall? Like, sometimes these guys, like, it's frustrating. And it's frustrating for me, not because I'm part of that industry, I'm striving to get in their seat, because I don't want to be in their seat. I like this. I like freedom to just be able to do whatever I want. But I feel like they're making people be quite dour about something which is far more positive and exciting. Like, football's drifting to a place where teams and players being recruited 
they need to be able to try and play. They need to be able to be dynamic, need to be able to understand the game. But they're being just talked about as if they can't do it. Is there more football being played than ever before in that sense? This style of football, I'd say yes. Because Luton, for example, who can still play, feel like an exception. As opposed, and to yeah. Sheffield United as well, they feel more like an exception as opposed to the norm. Because you could say like, you know, Burnley and stuff back in the day. But if you were to look at Everton today compared to Burnley a few years ago, it's two different styles of football. Like they have the ability to go forward and so on, but like their front line might be um, Carver Lewin with Ducore behind him. But then you've got like Harrison and uh, mm. the other guy on the other side. Like it's different. Mikalenko bombing forward from fullback. You know, Jimmy Garner in midfield. He's not just getting the ball and just spinning it down channels. There's like nuance to it. The way they defend, the way they attack, even like from Pickford trying to catch teams out on switches of play and diagonals and stuff. So there's more to it. So I think for me, I would. I would have loved to have been able to be a player playing in this era because you have to learn to play in a different sort of way. And it's better. Teams want to keep the ball. Players want to keep the ball. And like an example of, say, people projecting. The Spurs players right now have probably not, never been this happy before in terms of style of play. Never. Because they're like having fullbacks who are coming and going into midfield, but like high in midfield sometimes. You've got wingers who are bombing. Like Their whole point is like high speed, high energy attacking. But from the outside, someone says, yeah, but... Risky, though, isn't that? Yeah, it's just a bit too risky. It's just a bit too this, just a bit too that. Like, why not? And, you know, I think City fans can be guilty of this as well, just overall. Why not just watch a game and then see how it goes? <laughs> you know what I mean? Instead of before a game started saying, this is going to be this and that's going to be that. And I think, as I say, some pundits, like, I've been on shows recently and, like, knowing information about the Premier League and players within it has, like, made me sound uncool in a green room, you know what I mean? Or, like, having a discussion about the way it's working is making me sound uncool, like, it's nerdy because I've watched too much football. I'm like... Yeah, that's a, that's similar. And the thing is, so if I talk about my industry, so I, I... There's certain complaints I've got in terms of TV, but so after City played Everton the other week, I, I mentioned it on Twitter, I should said... Oh, you know, in the second half. I almost did the I voice then. I, I swear. <laughs> oh, yeah, in the second half. I didn't mean to do it. <laughs> I just need to cough. So he said in the second half, you know, City started switching the play more um, to their right. And there was a couple of other more specific things. And then the next question was, what do you think about the handball incident for the penalty? And then there was another one about, you know, just is it sustainable or VAR generally? And then all the questions in the studio, all the topics in the studio before Guardiola came out to be interviewed like separately was about VAR. And I tweeted saying, like, this is nobody's asked about football discussion, are they? Nobody wants to know. Or there's no intention that, to, to get on Dyche and go, what what did what did City do then? And um what did you have to do to adjust? It was immediately onto VAR. But is that like when you say your industry, is that is well, that driven by the fact that Well no, what, what I was gonna say with my industry was that was a slight detour before that, because I think if the interviewer then had have said, Tell me about that tactical change that City did or what you had to do to respond, that would feel like you've not got out of him what we as producers, as viewers expect, which is VAR chat. So when I made that point on Twitter, there were people saying, oh yeah, but they were just going, oh yeah, but the, the handball law is stupid or blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it's, this is so broken that, well, basically, it's either I'm wrong and people do care about it, but or everyone else is. And in this case, everyone else is. <laughs> because, because... It's so broken. No, that I get everyone it. does want to hear about VAR, but it's like, but in reality... That's all we've ever heard. That's the point. That's all we've ever heard. That's all we've ever been given. So to go back to, in my industry, and I'm going to talk about 
I'm going to talk about my industry, but not just, not from a position of, well, I'm better than everyone else. And this is why I'm not really going to talk about TV pundits because it's like ultimately, even like if we're talking about the same people or whatever, they still know more than about football than I do. Like that, you know, that example I gave of City going long, it's like, okay, I specifically because it's my day job to know about City, to ask about City. But you've to, asked, to what, but you've, you've asked about it. that and you've asked it. Like yeah, you I said, know, you said Bernardo like, had explained it. it. Yeah, that's because I asked Bernardo. Yeah, exactly. But, but, but it's like, I'm not really going to criticise TV pundits too much because there, there is still more that they bring to the table than I could and there's still situations that, you know, so I could talk about City and commentate on the radio about City and I'll be quite good because kind of, you know, I've been around it for long enough. But then if I was on the radio doing Villa against Everton, might be struggling because I haven't got that depth of knowledge and also like I don't really bring in the extra stuff of this is from my playing day. So that's not my complaint with them. But with my industry and the, the element of then feeling like the nerd, it's when I'm asking like a tactical question and it's lesser now because the landscape has changed slightly in football writing. I, I do think the athletic had a massive say in that in kind of bringing it towards where it is now because those kind of more nuanced articles which I was trying to do at goal before, are more mainstream now. So it's not so bad, but you still get like the older school guys in the room kind of rolling their eyes or something mm. or whatever. I definitely had that feeling when I first was coming in and asking a, a Pellegrini, Guardiola, those kind of things, because people just want to know about the headline stuff. What yeah. do you think about the red card? What do you think of this? But in terms of my industry, and I'm not saying this from a point of view of, I know more than these other guys. It's a kind of fatalistic view of what's the point in my own job and life because <laughs> I'm putting something out there like oh I've looked at Y Scout and watched this this and this and it's like I know there's definitely stuff I'm going to have missed there mm. there's definitely stuff that if I'm writing about a player they could read it and ultimately that's what I'm thinking about because I know I could I could make something up that sounds plausible and 99% of the people would go oh okay that's interesting but the people who actually know could read that no, you know, that's bollocks and that's bollocks yeah. but, and then, which I think is common which I think is common when I look at, say, football punditry now from my side of mm. things, because a lot of things that get said, I don't. that's why I said before, I think that's why it sounds so different when you find someone within the game coming in and talking about what they're doing, as opposed to the people who get the chance to talk about it all the time. And that's like where we're at, because fans are used to it. People yeah. who tune in are used to it. They're used to saying that, you know, Shearer's, Neville, Carragher's, whoever, these guys know so much. Like, even on the... Sky Sports website, Gary Neville's down as a football expert. But like, what's a football expert? What's a football expert when within the game of football, you don't know what teams are trying to do on a week-to-week -week basis? You're an expert in your own career and the things that you did and the decisions that you made, mm. maybe with the inner workings of like, say, some football club because you like run at Salford. But do you really know what Burnley are working on this week as they go and approach this, like a game against like Luton or whoever? Do you know how Luton are trying to maximize their potential this season? Or you're going for sweeping generalizations based on something that you saw, which you believe is the easiest thing to do. Like those guys, some at times they're like managing from just up high, like, well, you're not good. You don't like you don't know the players. You don't know the individual players. You don't know their strengths. You don't know the strength of the collective. You don't know what they're trying to do within this game. You've not done the analysis to know what they think is a soft spot when they play against this team or that team but they're an expert. That's it for this episode of Let Me Talk Details. But Sam, if you are a member, you get even more. What can members hear for this one? Yeah, there's so much more of that conversation with Nadem around narrative, points of view, and how football is spoken about in the media. If you'd like longer ad-free versions, even earlier, all the useful links are in the episode description and over on lmtpod.com. If you want to ask us a question or send us a voice note on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, just search for LMTPod. 
Or you can send us an email, hello at lmtpod.com. All the useful links are in the episode description and over on lmtpod.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Let me talk! Let me talk! Let me talk!